if they tweak the numbers, it could be that the return on investment could go higher and if they wanted to take less of a profit margin or we could do it the other way around and they could take more profit but have less of a return to the investors. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the show. Thanks for joining me. I trust you're well. I'm doing fine. Just dealing with Melbourne going into lockdown for a second time due to coronavirus, which is a bit frustrating. But at least the building industry is continuing to operate at this stage, so construction work can carry on, which is good, as we are just starting construction on my townhouse project. In fact, the builder is on site this week, doing the initial set-out work before they start doing the early site works. It's exciting to see things happening on site after so many years of working on this project. On my other townhouse project, work continues on the documentation and I've been exploring options for who might be best to build it. I've also been in discussions with the local council about changing the crossover alignment from a long convoluted path to one that is much shorter and efficient. Hopefully that's fruitful. Otherwise, it's a strange time in the Melbourne property industry, with buyer activity subdued and a sense of apprehension in many sectors. But the market will bounce back, just depends on how long it takes. Don't forget, if you are interested in learning how to develop property, drop me a line at justin at propertydeveloperpodcast.com to find out more about the mentoring program that is available to help you learn how to develop safely and profitably. Congrats to David, who got started on the program this month. And a reminder, you can also catch me on Insta and Facebook for all my latest project pics and videos, industry news and other fun stuff. You can also post a comment on iTunes if you're enjoying the show. And of course, all the past episodes of the show can be found at www.propertydeveloperpodcast.com. Okay, on to today's guest, Darren Younger from Bricklet. This is a discussion about fragmented property investing and how it can benefit property developers. What is fragmented investing, you ask? Well, listen in and find out. In this discussion, you'll discover how developers can fund their projects using the fragmented model, how you can save time and money using Bricklet, and what it means for potential projects you may have. Keep an ear out for how you could use fragmenting as an alternative funding solution for your next project. As always, I started off by asking Darren what food he would eat until he was sick. (laughs) That's a really good question. Um, I would have to say that would be... Cherry ripes. Ah, you're in the same boat as my son. <laughs> the double, the, what are they? They've got the double chocolate, the double dark chocolate dipped one out these days. Yeah, absolutely. Now they've got the little bite sized ones and they're just, you just can't stop those. Oh, yeah. You can always <laughs> squeeze another little cherry ripe in. Yeah, cherry ripe, very, it's good chocolate. I actually think you might be the first person to say cherry ripes. We had someone else who said uh, caramello. Caramello bears. Mm, I'm a fan of caramel, but the uh, cherry ripe, yeah, definitely the fave. Oh, very good. All right, well, we'll know what to get you next time you come on the show. Well, today we're here to talk about Bricklet, which is a platform that you've set up to help developers and investors get involved in projects. Can you give us a little bit of a, a rundown about Bricklet and how you got it set up and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the easiest way to to explain Bricklet is that we are a platform that fragments property. So what it means is that you, for owners of Bricklets, are owners of 
smaller pieces of title. So we split up the properties into smaller pieces and each one of those brick owners is on title. The main uh, advantage of that is that people can invest into or buy into property and have those smaller pieces. It means that you know, at a smaller price point, so say, for example, $25,000, I can buy a piece of an investment property. Yep, so that works on the investor side. And then how does that affect or how can developers then make use of that platform? Yeah, so there's um, to take you through the different ways that developers can use it. So with um, when a developer has completed products, um, either completed now or, or, or coming up, they can fragment that property and put it onto the platform and sell the finished product as bricklets. So what that means is, like, let's say you've got an apartment that is $10,000 and you've got, sorry, that's worth, say, $100,000 and, you know, you split it up into 10 pieces of $10,000 just using simple maths, then people can access that and buy um, those at $10,000. So you've got a much different audience that's going to be buying the bricklets. So for that reason, we've also got Murvac and Stockland on board as investors of bricklet because they see that same value around um, how you can open up a whole new market by offering smaller pieces of the property. So um, like if you took a, a million dollar, um, you know, a million dollars and split it up into $25,000 bricklets and, and you've got a very different audience that is um, rather than trying to find each individual purchaser of those million dollar apartments. Yeah, and who is so, the audience at the moment? Um, so the audience is, so we've got a range of different um, channels and, and different audiences. So we're finding it's very becoming very popular for self-managed super funds. The self-managed super funds are very um, are looking at it as a diverse way to buy property, direct property into their portfolio. So with a couple of hundred grand, you, know, you can buy multiple bricklets right across Australia and have a really good diversified portfolio. Um, also, we're, we're finding that a lot of younger people uh, leveraging bricklets to enter the property market as well. So people that um, have got, you know, um, 20, 30 grand saved up and then they can buy a bricklet and they're in the property market at a much earlier stage. So that um, that audience seems to be very um, receptive as well. And now we also have a lending product against bricklets so that people can, can leverage to buy their bricklets, which opens up a whole new market again. So, and going back to the... Um, the way that developers use it. So the completed product is is one example. Um, the other example is um, for, a, for a completed product. So with a completed, I'm sorry, not completed product, is with a, um, a full development project. So with a full development project, the way that the platform works is if you think about it as a, as a life cycle of the property build, so when a, when a property development, let's say you get to DA stage, um, what we do is we can actually fragment the project at that point. So let's say it's a project where if I use an example, let's say it's a $3 million land purchase, $3 million construction um, with the view of it being worth, say, $9 million at the end. What we do is we value the um, project at the full $6 million at the start and then we sell down those bricklets at $6 million. So we actually sell $6 million worth of bricklets, which then pays for the land purchase and also pays for the construction throughout the um, throughout the project. And the developer also receives equity in 
the project through what we call equity bricklets. And so that's where they make their money. Um, and then at the end, the bricklets are worth more. So from a brickler holder's point of view, um, what, they're, what they're actually doing is just entering that, that life cycle earlier and coming in before the product's manufactured. And so how do the bricklet owners get a return? Are they getting a share of the rent once the properties are built and leased out? Yeah, absolutely. So everything, all the properties that come onto the platform are seen as um, almost like a, it's, it's a build-to-rent model effectively, right, because the properties are never meant to be sold off. They'll stay on the platform and then be rented out. So the, um, the advantage to the bricklet owners um, by coming in early is that they get a better upside um, during that time because the, the bricklets will be worth more once the property's built and starts to be leased out. And also from the point where it's being leased out, they're getting a much better yield because they came in earlier um, at a cheaper price. Yeah, if you could, can you just elaborate a little bit more on that, particularly the, the development side or the construction side? Because I'm sure there's plenty of people listening who are thinking, oh, this sounds pretty interesting. So how does yeah. it work in terms of uh, the developer getting their funding? Is it a similar process to what they would go through if they were going with a bank? They'd have to get all their reports done, quantity surveyors, assessments, all, all those sort of things? Yeah, Absolutely. So it's exactly, I mean, from the developer's side, it's it's very, very similar in that, you know, we've got all the money raised at the start and we've got um, the money is then just um, drawn down over time um, based on those quantity surveyor reports or whatever certification we need for those milestones. Um, but the advantage to the developer is that they know that they've got the funds there um, to be drawn down and also there's no interest because there's no finance and there's no pressure um, from the financier as well because, um, you know, if the project gets delayed at all, um, there's no extra pressure around, you know, interest payments or, or you know, the, the financier putting extra pressure on to get things done. And do the investors or the bricklet owners get, uh, what, what kind of returns do they get during that construction phase and how do they realise those returns? Yeah, so the realisation of the returns um, comes in the value of the bricklets at the end. So um, we have ways to, to help um, sell those down at the end of the project. But um, So the value of those um, those bricklets is what the value, you know, that's effectively the, the profit margin of the, of the developer. And there's a, a simple calculator um, that helps them understand at the start of the project you know, what does that equity look like versus the return on investment to the um, to the investor or to the, to the purchaser of the bricklets. So let's say um, we might have a project where it might be, you know, a, a, an 18-month project. The return might be, you know, 20% over the, over the 18 months um, and uh, the return for the investor, let's say it's a smaller project, Let's say it's one, you know, one million dollars. Um, then, you know, if they tweak the numbers, it could be that the return on investment could go higher, um, and if they wanted to take less of a profit margin, or we could do it the other way around, and they could take more profit but have less of a return to the investors. And so, the you know, the opportunities there at the start of the project for the for the developer to determine um, where those, you know, how those numbers work out. And then what's the exit or what are the options for the developer? Because I think you mentioned they get equity bricklets. 
So if they they yeah. can, I, I get they have the option, I guess, of staying in the project and then they just get their share of the the dividends or the the lease funds. Or is there another yeah. way? Is there another way of them exiting? Like, do they sell their their bricklets? Yeah, they can sell their bricklets um, at the end, um, at the end of the project or any time thereafter. And they also um, they're not limited to um, how many bricklets they sell as well. So you know they could sell a few bricklets, they could sell, or they could sell all the bricklets. Um, but we make it a priority for the developer bricklets to be sold um, first as the as the project is realised. And so, what kind of projects do you reckon work best? Best, um, and around size wise at the moment, I mean anything between kind of uh, five mil to fifteen mil as a project. Um, I'm talking total project, um, as in the amount of bricklets that need to be sold um, seems to be a really good sweet spot at the moment uh, obviously we'll be able to go a lot higher as you know as we're driving more and more demand on the platform but at the moment you know anything between kind of five and 15 million is kind of a good number um, I mean obviously we can go as low you know it can go lower than that but I think that's kind of sweet spot number is that the gross realization value or the Development cost. Uh, the full project, the full project cost. So that's the land plus the construction. Yeah. Um, the full realization, you know, obviously then is higher than that. Yeah. Okay. And what's the sort of rough cost for for using the platform or using this yep. method of funding a project? Yeah. Good question. The costs are um, it's really simple uh, cost model in that we charge three percent of the bricklet. Um, the bricklet sales. So let's say it was a $10 million project, so it'd be 3% of that, which would be 300 grand would be the cost of that. Um, the advantage to the developer is that at that point, all the bricklets are sold. So there's no sales process at the end of the project. So you don't have to worry about sales from that point on because all the bricklets are sold. And then I presume that you then take some kind of role in the ongoing management of the the bricklets or the, what's the... Yeah, that's a good question. So there's a number of, um, you know, there's a number of different ways that we can, you know, there's the property management companies that get assigned to the project. Um, some developers have their own project, um, their own, sorry, property management platform or property management company that they'd like to use. Um, that's okay. They can use their own service if that's, you know, if that's their preference. Um, or they can use one of the, the standard ones that we, you know, one of our partners that we use in, in Brickler. And I guess this is a more of a longer term investment horizon for potentially the developer, but also for the investors, but they would be, you would think, looking for a, a longer investment horizon. But perhaps for developers, it's an opportunity for them to stay in their projects a little bit longer and realize a bit more value out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they don't even need to make a black and white decision as well. I think that's also a good thing. Um, you know, if they've got, you know, $2 million of equity in the project at the end, you know, they can sell down, you know, over time um, bricklets and not have to, you know, so they can, you know, decide how much they want to keep in and how much they want to realise and they could realise some now and they could realise some, you know, a bit later and a bit later and or they could realise it all in one go. So it, it, it gives a lot of options to the to the developers as well. And I presume that you would have to do your own deep level due diligence on who the developers are that you're working with, and then I get, and also on the flip side, finding out more about you and your 
financial backing and debts and all those sort of questions you'd want to ask? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, I mean, and that's all, you know, that's all there and that's part of the, the DD process that we do on both sides is um, the, you know, as far as the developer's concerned, it's more of a, um, you know, it's, it's a check um, around the developer's history and, and, you know, credibility and quality of the product. It's, um, we don't make decisions on, based on, you know, kind of location that's up to the market, you know, or type of investment property. Again, that's up to the market, but we just want to make sure that, you know, there's quality developers and quality product being being built. Yeah, I wanted to ask uh, about whether areas were relevant or not, if there's better areas, but I guess as you say, it's up to the market to decide. What happens if you put something out to the market with Bricklet and you don't what do you what would it be called a subscription you don't get enough people subscribing or taking up the, the bricklets yeah that's a good question during the during the sales um the sales process of each project there's a set time um for that and then we aim to sell down the, the bricklets um there's also um we can also have an underwriter and set a minimum level that we need to hit um you know with an underwriter prepared to um to take on some of that as well so there's different mechanisms to try and help the sale you know get completion um but worst case is that yeah if we don't get any sold or don't get enough sold then um yeah it's just rolled back and and you know the project doesn't go ahead on the platform yeah yeah and so just touching again on what kind of projects work best and are these are you looking for something that's got a pretty healthy development margin involved or how do you assess on it's yeah, again, it's like the market. It's it's like I guess the the type of project, right? It's it's we let the market decide whether it's a good investment or not, and obviously the developers need to make sure that you know there's a good um, you know there's a good ROI in it for the for the bricklet purchases. The sweet spot, what we what we tend to see is you know most people that are buying bricklets are looking for you know ten to twelve, maybe as high as fifteen, but let's say, let's call it twelve percent as a as a good average. Um, per annum, you know, so if it's a two-year project, if you're giving them 24%, they're pretty happy with that. Um, you know, anything, you know, as it gets lower and lower, then that's obviously less appealing. And as it gets higher, it starts to, you know, the the bricklet purchasers start to think that, you know, maybe it's it's not, it's a little bit too risky or, or what's wrong with the project kind of thing. Um, so I think the sweet spot is around that kind of 12% per annum. And on the flip side, then, what kind of projects would you consider not particularly great for the platform? Obviously, you mentioned about the value, but are there any kind of other project specifics or yeah, profile guess, that wouldn't work? It's not so much. It's not so much wouldn't work. It's maybe you know might might be less appealing or, or might be harder to to you know get away on the platform um, and have the, have them all sold. You know, if it's, I guess, if, it, if the more unique the project, I guess the more challenging it might be. So, you know, if, for example, we've seen some projects where it's like um, share accommodation or, or, you know, things that are a little bit kind of left field um, or not not the normal. Um, and, you know, they're a little bit harder to explain. doesn't mean that they won't work. It just means, you know, the real kind of stock standard, let's call it, um, you know, it's an apartment block or it's a, a set of townhouses. Then um, you know it's it's a lot easier for the bricklet holders, bricklet purchasers to understand that. Um, so it's more, I guess, to answer the question, the more unique the project, that the more challenging it might be, and and that's just um, so. Then it's just it comes down to how well you market the concept and the idea. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether it really takes off. I mean, in principle, the idea sounds pretty sound, particularly with the increasing value or cost of entering the property market in Australia, which probably isn't going to change drastically over the the near term. So for people to be able to get into the market in in smaller chunks seems like a pretty smart or sensible way to go about it. So who? Uh, what are you projecting in terms of number of people getting involved or how you're going to grow the, the, the audience? The, I guess the audience uh, growth is going to, you know, we work through a number of sales channels through wealth advisors, accounting groups, real estate agents, many, you know, we've got many sales channels that we work with. Also, you know, we're about to start a big media campaign. You'll start to see a lot of digital ads um, appearing about Bricklet and some of the projects. So, you know, we, we, we have a very clear path forward, you know, now that we kind of uh, seem to be getting on the other side of this uh, COVID uh, challenge, which now time to, to ramp up a few things. So, That's good. What challenges have you faced getting the, the platform off the ground? So far has been, um, I, mean, the, I mean, in the early days, there was a lot of challenges around understanding, you know, how it all work. Um, you know, working through um, a lot of the different processes and things that we had to, to make, um, you know, to automate and to do a, to a lot of things without going into all that detail. Um, we got through all that. And I think the biggest challenge then is really just, you know, getting the credibility, the awareness, you know, educating the market, you know, which is why we're really grateful, you know, to be, you know, talking on podcasts like this, you know, to, to let people understand and know what it's all about. And can you give us a bit of background about yourself and how you came up with the idea and how you got it started? Yeah, sure. It was more about just kind of talking to a number of people around, you know, hearing more and more about the challenges in the property market. And at the same time, there was a lot of different ways that you could, you know, buy into fractional um, ownerships. And I guess just seeing that they weren't really... um, really on title and, and that you weren't actually buying the property, you were more just buying units in a, in a unit trust or things like that. And so started to explore it, spoke to a few industry people. Um, you know, we were, we were working with Murbach as well at the time and um, they were really excited by it if we could pull it off. So we went and did a lot of work um, and got it over the line. And, and um, so it really just came from just people just wanting, you know, to be able to access the property market but can't, you know, is there is there a better way? Yeah, and so I think you touched on that you do get a slice of the title, not units in a unit trust. Yep. So the difference between property fractionalisation in the traditional sense has been all around, you know, unit trusts and entities owning property and then having a share or an ownership in that structure. Whereas fragmented property, which is what Bricklet's all about, is where the... um, Owners have got um, they're listed on land title under tenants in common. And so, Darren, what's what's your background? How do you get into setting up a a, a property tech platform? Yeah, my background is um, you know is technology. So um, you know, originally a software engineer, developer, and then um, you know, years built up different software companies, and and now um, you know, looking at different ways to you know look at how to use technology and innovation to really um, drive things forward as part of the Kiba Group, which is the parent company. Um, we've been doing that for about five years now, and, and this is the latest project. 
It will be interesting to to see how it goes. Would, would you say this is more an investor side platform, or it's also something that is beneficial for developers? The I think for uh, it's also good for the developers as well because of you know the value that it creates for them around not needing the finance from the bank. The opportunities become you know you can scale a lot more because you know once you've got a property uh, a project sold down. It's all sold. There's no need for finance. You've got a lot of confidence in the project going forward. Also, you can move on to the next project, so you'll be able to scale it a lot more. Yeah, I guess not having those finance costs might actually boost the margin a little bit for, for developers. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because, you know, a lot of the different um, metrics change for the developers around, um, you know, there's certain fees that they would have paid for, in the, you know, in a different, you know, in the traditional model that they don't pay for with Bricklet, but then you've got the Bricklet fee, um, you know. But overall, I think that you know the developers, um, especially with scaling out, being able to scale out to more projects, would, would be much better off. Mm. All right. Well, if people want to find out more about Bricklet or, and the platform, where should they head to, Darren? Go to bricklet.com.au. Um, all the information's there, and then. If anyone wants to contact me, um, you know, it's just d.younger at ripple.com.au. All right, and you're looking to ramp up more projects by the sound of it over the coming years? Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking for projects at the moment. We're about to ramp up our marketing, so we're looking for some supply. So if anybody has a project they want to discuss, feel free to uh, get in contact. Fantastic. Well, Darren, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking to us about Bricklet. I hope that it ends up being successful for you. And uh, from a developer, it's uh, certainly good to have an alternative option to funding a project, particularly given what's happening at the moment with capital being more challenging to come by and who knows what's going to happen with development funding over the next 12 to 18 months. So another option is always uh, something nice to look at. Well, thanks a lot for the opportunity to have a chat. Um, you know, it's it's um, you know it's been great, and you know, look forward to hearing from some of the developers out there. Yeah, well, I hope the platform works out for you, and it's a big success for investors and also for developers. So, thanks for coming on and explaining that all to us, Darren. Great, thanks a lot, Justin. See ya. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Darren. It was interesting for me to hear about an alternative funding model for getting projects completed. Here's a couple of things I took away from my discussion. One, could a different funding model help you increase the velocity of your projects? Getting your project funded is an ongoing challenge for many developers. And as lending environments tighten, it might be worthwhile looking around at what other models you have available to get your projects finished. Alternative models may also help you to complete projects quicker and increase the velocity at which you operate. Two, Could keeping a share of your completed project help with your wealth accumulation strategy? Often developers sell up all their stock, realise the profit and then roll over into the next project, leaving behind the future capital growth of their finished product. But what if you could keep a portion of that stock and let it grow over time? How could that help you grow your wealth over the longer term? It might be something worth considering. Okay, if you enjoyed that chat about fragmentation, then you might want to go back to episode 65 and have a listen to my chat with Fabian DeMarco about how private funding may be another option to get your project out of the ground. Fabian outlined how often private capital can get you started and finished quicker than bank funding. The developer's got to ask himself a question. So if I was to take this transaction now to a non-bank lender or a private lender, 
where they'll essentially allow me to pretty much get started right away. By the time I would have got all of my pre-sales, I could potentially have this project finished and I could start my sell down. Lots of interesting topics in that discussion with Fabian, so be sure to have a listen to episode 65. Don't forget, if you are interested in learning how to develop property, then email me about the Property Developing Mentoring Program that is available to help you get started. There's nothing like a guiding hand to show you the best way when you are starting out. So email justin at propertydeveloperpodcast.com and I'll send you some further information. Catch me on Insta and Facebook for all my latest project pics and videos, industry news and other fun stuff. And please post a comment on iTunes if you're enjoying the show. And of course, all the past episodes of the show can be found at propertydeveloperpodcast.com. So until next time, may your business keep growing brick by brick. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.